All right, hey everybody. Hope everybody's doing good. Um, we are back with another edition of Casey Music Talk. I see my awesome sign there. It's pretty awesome. Um, uh, we are here today with a teacher here in Kansas City, uh, Bridget Klontz. How you doing? Great. How are you? It's pretty good awesome. Um, so anybody who doesn't know you, tell tell them a little bit about your kind of history playing music and teaching and stuff for people that don't know you. Yeah. So. Um... I came to UMKC, or I started my music career at UMKC as a student um, in 2006, and I've been here ever since. I got my bachelor's degree and master's degree from the UMKC Conservatory. Um, after I graduated in 2012, I decided to set up shop here in Kansas City, so I started a studio. Um, I freelance as a musician, and I do a good deal of outreach among the musician community and with um, young students as well. So uh, I have my kind of my fingers in a different areas as as a lot of musicians who freelance do. Um, so I've been doing that since 2012. What's that? Six years mm -hmm. now. Yep. And um, loving it. Uh, just, you know, living in Kansas City has been a great experience. Um, there's a lot of support for the arts. There's a lot of musicians here. There's a lot of collaboration that goes on. And when I was uh, getting done with my degree, I was trying to figure out, you know, should I stay, should I go? And seeing a lot of my other colleagues who had left and come back to Kansas City because the arts are so strong here made me, you know, make that decision to stay. And it's been a good one. Yeah, that's cool. Um, don't don't feel bad about talking to me. Don't worry about those guys, the cameras. <laughs> Screw those guys. No, but uh, but yeah, but but that's really cool because I know a lot of people have that moment where they're in a town, whatever the town is, and they're like us, and they they're very artsy, and they want to either teach or play, and then they're sitting here looking around, and they're like, "Can I do that here?" You know, and that that's what happened to me in Wichita, where I was sitting there, and I'm like. Man, besides for the school, what is here? You know, yeah. and it's nothing. So I was like, so when I came up here, I was I was pleasantly surprised, and I already knew from the from going to high school here about how many, you know, how how much music is is infiltrated the schools and stuff like high schools and stuff. So I knew it was already strong, but I I was pleasantly surprised at all of the band scene here and, and the, the amount of live music and definitely the amount of teachers. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. Um, you and I are obviously very, very similar in what, what we're trying to do because coming from school, from, from a degree, and, uh, and then realizing the amount of support that there is here. And so you've been doing something really cool. Like you, I got introduced to you by uh, Eric Haskell. I think, and he explained to me this little music teacher get together thing that you've started. So talk talk about your little thing that you've started. Well, yeah, I mean, it's for more than just teachers. Although mm -hmm. I would say probably eighty percent of the people that come to the roundtable teach. Mm -hmm. um, Twenty percent are either um, trying to get their foot into the gig scene as mm -hmm. a musician, or they're trying to um, network with other musicians to collaborate mm -hmm. with. So I started it out of a realization that sometimes in Kansas City there's a divide between different groups of musicians, mm -hmm. and it doesn't even have to be different genres. I mean, I know classical musicians who don't know other classical musicians in town. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I try to be a connector as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And so the reason that I started with that was partly to help connect the musicians in town, mm -hmm. you know, and then, but also to give them a safe space where they could talk about issues relating to their career and troubleshoot, bounce off ideas between mm -hmm. each other in a very like structured format. Um, because when musicians get together, they're not always good about staying on topic. <laughs> so this round table was a great um, opportunity for, um, for something that I didn't think really existed mm -hmm. um, or does exist in that many places, a structured, um, you know, meeting for mm -hmm. musicians to talk about just problems that they have. I mean, it could be pedagogical, like what you're dealing with mm -hmm. with your students. Um, it could be like, hey man, I don't know how to do my taxes this year. You know, mm -hmm. how do I, what forms do I use? So yeah, I mean, it's been good. We've been going for about, uh, I want to say two years now. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. 
That's really neat. Yeah, I know when it, when because I came to one of them and I the the whole concept of the group was really cool to me. And like this, is, like you were kind of saying on the phone, this is a thing that's kind of needed in town. And you, it was funny you mentioned uh, people staying on topic because I probably did that when I came. I was like, man, I, I'm not really interested in what you guys are trying to talk about today. I have issues. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I yeah. need this. I need help. You know. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but, but that's I, what it's there for too. Right. You know, just a support group. Yeah, and I love that you. Just on a side note, you were talking about uh, like taxes and stuff. I mean, really the the keeping track of your whole business. You know that that's a whole thing in and of itself yeah. that yeah. everybody doesn't care about you know and they and some people get on top of that and some people don't and that that's a whole like the there's so many of these topics that's really good to have a group like that mm -hmm. and I think again this is where I think you and I are getting really similar where that that's kind of the purpose of the show just in a different sort of format is, is to try to get some more teachers and musicians in here and talk out some of these issues yep. um, now on the show a little bit you know I'm I on for you, you were talking about the idea of a, of a of kind of a safe space, and, and I'm I'm trying to like basically get people in trouble and put them out, you know, trying to you know I just think that's kind of funny, but I love I love what you were talking about about the fact that we don't we sometimes think we're alone, sort of, in these these annoyances of of having students or gigging, and then when we I mean, what happens when we get together with six other people? Right, we all have the same problems. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like, and so, so you were talking about wh what's your opinion about having an outlet for, for yourself as a teacher? Like, so, so you're talking about an outlet for other teachers to, to kind of vent and get what, what's your opinion of having like a literal, like playing outlet? You mean, uh, so you're talking about like when I want to play music? Well, I'm talking about, so we're in this teaching mode and, and we're sitting here for months on end, you know, just teach, teach, teach. And then you were talking about the one kind of an outlet where we get together with teachers and have this venting, you know, yeah. nice little accidental venting session, you know, but uh, the other, I've heard a lot of people talk about that they wish they had a, like an actual playing outlet. Like Eric talks about his, uh, is it Topeka Symphony mm -hmm. or... Uh, uh, no, St. Joe. Yeah, one of them. He, yeah. But but he like gets his plan. You know how how important do you think that is for a teacher? I mean, I I think I used to think that it was important for all teachers, but now it's really subjective. I mm. mean, it's not what works for one person doesn't always work for the other one. Mm. I found the, um, you know, some of my colleagues are more of a wreck when they try to perform. It's just not what they really want to mm. be doing. Um, so for them, that performance outlet, it doesn't really make them happy. Mm. The teaching is what, what makes them happy, but, but also, like you were saying, you tend to get burnt out after a while. Yeah. So um, I really think every teacher needs to learn to step away from teaching at mm. certain points over the year. I mean, I think every year, every teacher needs some sort of time away. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you're not going to be able to do it your whole life. Or maybe you can, but you're not going to, I mean, it's just not going to be healthy. So I think a healthy way to teach is to take take time away from teaching. Now, for me, personally, as far as the playing aspect of it, um, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I couldn't live without some performing. Right. I think that's, you You'd know. You'd lose your mind. <laughs> I mean, I love it. Yeah. yeah. Right. And the more I perform, the more I love it. Mm -hmm. So it's an, it has to be for me, it has to be an integral part of what I do mm -hmm. all the time. And what I find is that if the teaching goes, my level of teaching, I should say the amount of teaching that I do goes up. Um, mm -hmm. and there, the balance starts to, you know, mm -hmm. sway then I'm less happy as a person and I'm right, more cranky. Sure. So I always have to work to keep, and I have to realize that for myself too. Mm. So if I try to, you know, there's always that allure of taking one more student because mm -hmm. that's a little bit more money. Right. But it doesn't, more money doesn't equal more happiness yeah. because more money often equals more less stress. time for yourself yeah, and more yeah. stress and yeah. maybe having to deal with a student that you don't really want to deal with. Right. So for me, I mean, I've made a ton of mistakes um, as a young teacher, you know, taking on students I didn't want to take or shouldn't have taken on just because, you know, I needed 
needed the money, wanted the money, whatever. Right. So, so you know, getting a little bit older has helped me to be a little bit more discerning in what I can handle, what I want to take mm-hmm. as a teacher as far as students go. Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. No, that does. Because, yeah, because yeah, I was under the impression that, like, that's a good way to put it, that everybody needs that thing. But it, this really is pretty subjective because you're right. I mean, you... you you, you have your whole thing in your life of, of a you know, mini day job and then you have your students and then like you're saying, I need this playing outlet, but do you have time? You know, that, I mean, that's kind of one one thing you got to take into consideration. Well, yeah, and um, you know, I, one of my mentors really helped me to, to understand that because, you know, as I'm trying to figure out as a young person who does music, what, what direction I want my career to take. And um, I've been challenged to really think hard about that because there's a lot of different directions you as a musician can take. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you, you have different tiers that you can aspire to. And you know, when you're super young, you're like a teenager, everybody wants, everybody has that little bit of a dream of being something, something rock, like a rock star, mm-hmm. whether it's a classical musician right. who's famous or to, you know, something like that, but it's never super clear. Mm-hmm. So then as you get older, you kind of clarify what's, First of all, what's realistic, right. and second of all, where you actually want to be to be happy. And I, you know, some some teachers, some music teachers, they find that when they're not teaching, it makes them happy to cook, or when they're not teaching, mm-hmm. it makes them happy. You know, one yeah. of my colleagues who has a, I won't I won't name names, but she's she's a fantastic person yeah. and a great musician, um, but she finds her outlet uh, in sports. Right. You know, doing physical activity, and that's what she does outside of her teaching. And I really, really admire that. Oh, um, yeah. You know, but, you know, the performing thing is not, is not that, you know, outlet, outlet right. yeah. outside that's, of teaching. Yeah, that's a good point, because it wouldn't always be that for everyone. What, what's going to make them have the, have the, well, not energy, but have the motivation to come back and teach really well is because they, they've done their thing outside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you said something about goals. It was really interesting because I, I think most of us are pretty, as the teacher, pretty good at setting goals for the student. You know, we have, okay, here's your piece. All right. We have a recital, you know, here's our, you know, next scale, you know, we, we're, we're good at setting goals for them, but we're pretty bad at setting goals for ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, I, I, that was awesome. And like, I've been dealing with this learning, learning, uh, learning some politics lately of, of, of people being, you know, you, you mentioned that word being broad, you know, just, just too broad and what, what the problem is or what the solution's going to be. And like, so what, can you talk a little bit more about that of, of, of teachers and goals? Like what, what are your, what do you mean by that of, of, of goals. Well, I think, you know, a lot of times when we want to do something, it's more within our grasp than we think it is, as long as we clarify in really great mm-hmm. detail what it is we're trying to do. I think a lot of dreams that musicians have often go unfulfilled because of just that lack of attention to detail. Mm. Um, and sometimes we have unrealistic dreams because we don't haven't worked out all the details. And mm-hmm. the more detail you go into, either you bring that goal down to a more realistic level or you take it up and you realize, oh, if I just do this, this, and this, maybe I'll get to, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I've just set more detailed, specific goals for myself as I get older. And it can be anywhere from like, all right, you know, what ratio of my income do I want to be from performing mm-hmm. and what ratio of it do I want to be from teaching? That's a goal. That's a goal. Mm-hmm. Right. And it yeah. doesn't have to be like, it doesn't have to be out, you know, outrageous. It can be like, okay, I want 20% of my income to be from teaching every mm-hmm. month. And I want the other 80% to be from teaching. Is that realistic? I mean, probably mm-hmm. right? right. Where do I want to be in five years? Okay. Well, I want, of my income to be from performing and only 60% of it to be from teaching and just realizing that, okay, I got five years to do this. Now, how am I going to do that? Mm -hmm. And what am I going to do this month to get there in five years? Right. Yeah. Just things like that. Or like, Mm -hmm. um, how many students do I want to be teaching? What type of teacher do I want to be? Do I want to be, a lot of people don't even clarify that. It's like, do you want to be 
somebody who teaches primarily grade school kids? Do you want to teach high school kids? Mm -hmm. Do you want to teach competitive? Right. Do you want to be an adjunct teacher at a college? Do you want to be a full-time professor? And how are you going to get there if you want to get there? Mm -hmm. Are you going to get to there by being a really good performer? Or are you going to get there by being a well-known pedagogue? You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, mm -hmm. there's all kinds of paths you can take and, and, and places you can end up. Um, but not knowing where you want to be, I think, is sometimes where people run into trouble. Mm -hmm. that, that's really great because because I know that that definitely I can I can relate to what you said about I'm gonna be an awesome gigger in town. <laughs> you know what I mean? What the hell does that mean? Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean that's really broad. You know, yeah. and so like and and definitely one thing my mom's actually a teacher too, and she was trying to talk to me about the types of students that I really want. And this is the ideal, you know, what, well, eventually I want, you know, and, and like every other teacher, I want all motivated kids, right? You know, okay, great. You know, that, and that's, that's the ideal of course, but she was talking about the, where my marketing part. And she's like, well, you need to go, you need to go talk to the youth symphonies. You need to go talk to maybe a lot of the homeschooled parents. You need to get, you know, you need to go start looking in a different spot mm -hmm. than Craigslist, you mm -hmm. know, as your only thing. Cause yep. it, you know, and again, there's out, there's exceptions in all of those groups, but in general, you can make a pretty strong argument that most of the people at the youth symphony are pretty committed in yep. general, you know? And so a lot of times, there's the exceptions to this, but the homeschool, you know, parents yeah. are generally fairly committed to in, in, in general. And so she was talking to me about, you can't know where to look before you set that goal, right? I mean, it, or that, that helps a lot to have the goal and then that right. tells you where you need to go. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. So I, I just, I just like that you said that. And I think everybody, everybody needs to be more clear on yeah. everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I like, and instead yeah. of so broad. Um, good. So, so the, the one that really has been getting me and, and this has been almost a five year annoyance to me or ever really since I started teaching is the idea of motivation and the idea of motivating students. And a lot of times I think I get myself in trouble of thinking too idealistically or philosophically too much. And so with the motivating students, I, I'm just not a teacher that can just let it go and just take the money. And just have the student, okay, whatever, all right, see you next week. You know, I'm just, I can't do that. And the, the, and I think that's one of the reasons that made, that's making me a decent teacher is because I do care a lot. And you talk to me for five seconds, you can tell that I'm very passionate about it. And But when, when I'm sitting there, I think about the idea of how much control I really have over the situation right now. Mm -hmm. And so, like, what... Can you just talk some some general thoughts that you have in your head about about motivating students or maybe like setting expectations or like any kind of motivation towards students? Do you have any? Have any well, you talked about there's different types of motivators for different ages of students, mm -hmm. so that's really important to recognize that yeah. you know if um, candy might work for a little kid, <laughs> but it's not going to work for a teenager, right, right? right? They're just going to blow you off like what's wrong with you, yeah. yet, you know. Uh, <laughs> you think I'm a third right old. right yeah. what do you think I am more right. you can yeah. bribe me with candy so I think there's two things that come to mind when we talk about motivation um, for 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 children let's say under the age of 13 12 mm. maybe um, patience for the on the teachers part mm. and motivating the parents mm. for me those two things are really important mm. motivating the parents and having patience as a teacher because you're right there's only so much you can do mm. so i i try to cultivate a lot of patience within the piano lesson when they don't every kid has a different learning pace so some kids are going to learn faster some kids are going to learn slower and this has taken me a long time to understand well, I mean, you know, you kind of know it on a theoretical level, but until you really experience it, it's really, it's a lot different. So, for example, um, I ha I, I've had this one student for, I don't know, maybe four years. Um, and it's taken about four years to really get to a point where her note reading is at a 
at a more comfortable level where she mm -hmm. doesn't struggle with her note reading. And this was a transfer student, which they often have, you know, some issues that you kind of have to work through. Um, but if I didn't, you know, if I didn't have that patience, I probably would have given up a long time ago. Mm -hmm. But yeah. sticking through it for those years, and that was that was years, right. you know, of just working with this student to to, to get to that place. Um, and if I had been impatient, I think my student would have been more impatient and lost right. lost the motivation. Um, there were highs and there were lows, and there was a lot of discouragement, and there was you know. I could tell there was that feeling of, I don't know if I want to do this anymore, yeah. but I think I think having that passion as a teacher is really important and expressing that patience and that mm -hmm. always a little bit of love, no matter where they're at or what they're going through, mm -hmm. um, can sometimes get those students through tough times. Motivating them to practice, um, I think you always got to have some fun in the lesson. Mm -hmm. um, so that they have a good memory of playing music. I think if you get too too hard on them in yeah. their lesson, then they have mm -hmm. negative feelings every time they sit down. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I heard recently from another teacher was, um, I thought it was really good advice, is, now I'm kind of blanking on it, <clears throat> but, um, oh, is to talk to the parents mm -hmm. about encouraging their kids, because I think a lot of parents will tell their kid, you gotta go practice now. You have to go practice. Mm -hmm. You got we're paying for your lessons, go sit down and practice your piano for your lessons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, they're gonna get on them, yeah. It's just like yeah. a thing you have to go go make your bed. Right. Um mm -hmm. but so kind of training those parents to do less of that and to try to make music with their children or or be a Kind of a cheerleader for them right so yeah. like instead of doing that like when the kid does sit down to play saying that was really good i really like that song can you play it again mm -hmm. and the kid then finds that they're getting um almost like a verbal reward sure for, yeah we're doing something good and they're gonna want that again mm -hmm. what you call it what you want pavlovian training or whatever right but right it works right if you give somebody praise then that makes them feel good and they want to do it again mm -hmm. so but um i mean there's so many different things you can do to motivate students a lot of you know a lot of working with the parents i think going back to that that aspect of praise when a student does does you know well on their assignments i think praising the parents makes them feel good for the like you know praising them for uh the work that they did with their student over the week mm -hmm, helps right. them to want to help their students yeah. so now you're praising the parent not the kid yeah 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 right yeah. right because yeah. and it also um i found that sometimes when parents are not as engaged as you want them to be giving them that compliment anyway implies to them that they should be involved and that they should be helping their student and I found that it actually helps them to want to do it more. Hmm. So encouraging that that parent by giving them the praise of, I'm so glad that you were working with you know, mm -hmm. you know Lucy this week or whatever or, or Tommy this week. Mm -hmm. um, it's good to see that. So keep working with them. And they want yeah. To do that so more. like okay on that. So if so that's that's another part you're mentioning a part of the motivation where you. How much praise do you do, right? And how much tear down, and how much pray, you know, or, or how much tear down is a stupid word, but uh, so you're talking to the parents, and you have a pretty you you've assessed in the last four, you know, the last lesson that you know they they pretty much did zero, right? I mean, you can tell, right? They're worse than they were last week, right? They're so you know that you can tell the parents done zero, yeah. and so you're sitting there at that moment where you tell them. You're now praising the parent, even though you know they didn't do anything. Do you think that some people are going to take that um, as a kind of, I'm trying to, you know, basically stick it to them? Do you know what I'm saying? Well, like, I don't, if, like, if they don't yeah. practice at all, I don't, I try not to do right. that. Right, yeah. But would they take it as like, I was being sarcastic or I was like implying something? Or? No, meaning like... I, I'm sounding genuine right now. They don't think I'm lying, but right. they, they, they're, they know in their head I've done nothing and now I'm praising them. And do you think that they could get like resentful for, of that for in the long run? I, mean, I see I'm going way too psychology <laughs> into it right now, but 
Like that's the kind of mind games that I'm unfortunately in my head all the time. Uh, but uh, so irrelevant from that. But but you so you've been talking a lot about the parents, about parents, parents being being a huge part of this. Yeah, they're a huge part. Their attitude often shapes how the kid views the music mm -hmm. lessons. Um, if they view it as just something you got to do, um, and you know, I mean, every dynamic with each parent child is different. Mm -hmm. Some kids are much more independent. Some kids really rely on their parents for modeling. So if that's if that's the case, mm -hmm. then you know, they're gonna need more of that. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's really a case by case basis. But understanding that mm -hmm. one size does not fit all is, I think important as mm -hmm. well you know making sure that you um also when i try to when i try to get a student to i'm trying to get them to practice more um unless it's a very young child you mm -hmm. know seven or under and that's all parents yeah that's yeah all the parents yeah, i agree but i mean maybe even nine you know and up um i try to give them more control over their decision making because that's kind of where they're at. They want to like... You mean the kid or the parent? Yeah, the kids. The they kid, want it yeah. to be their decision. They mm -hmm. don't want to be told what to do. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll ask them, you know, when they don't play, when they, when they, whatever their, wherever their piece is at, really, um, you know, I ask them, well, what do you think you need to do this week to make this piece better? Right. And then when it comes out of their own mouth, yeah then it's their decision and their thought process and and their conclusion that, oh, well, my piece isn't smooth enough, I need to really work on right. smoothness, or, you know, it's not quite, it's not as fast as it should be. All right, well, you said that, so maybe you probably yeah, should right. do it. Yeah. yeah, I know I do a bad job with that a lot because I love talking, and I know I have, you know, quite a bit of music, you know, expertise in my head so I feel like I need to tell them mm -hmm. all the time I'm mm -hmm. telling 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 and and you just mentioned now and now you're not telling anymore right I mean they're there it's their idea mm -hmm. it's their yeah I, it I really like I mean it, it I think most kids have more musical innate sense than they think they do mm -hmm. it's just pulling it out of them mm -hmm. and if you just give them a little bit of information they'll run with it and and so yeah Trying to talk less and lessons is something that I try to do more of. I'm so bad at that. I'm so bad at that. And she, she keeps telling me that too. Stop talking. Stop talking. Play it again. Stop talking. You know. Yeah, and it gets worse with teenagers because they don't listen to anything. You're right. Yeah. So that in that yeah. in that case, I mean, I have a couple of quiet teenagers, but mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. So, okay. So you, you said something else interesting too about the fun of it and you, you're mentioning how, I mean, all of us have seen at least 10 people in our life that, cause this is what happens to me at every single gig. I get up there and everybody goes, Oh yeah, man, in fourth grade I played viola and it was, uh, yeah. And then, and then before they get done talking, what I want to say, yeah. And then you quit, you know, that's, I'm trying to finish their sentence for them because I'm like, this is what happens to everybody. You know, they, they start and I think the number one reason why people quit is because it wasn't fun. You know, I, that's what I've felt. Mm -hmm. You know, they had some teacher that was just Nazi drill sergeant on them, you know, and, and, and it wasn't fun. And then, and then of course, years later, they wish they would have stayed with it, you know, but like, so, so that's where I'm, that's kind of the ultimate question to me is how much drill and how much fun, you know, it's just yeah. this balance and, they, and, and I'm probably not at all special in, in this annoyance of this question. Yeah. I mean, it's probably everyone has to yeah. deal with this. The age old problem. Um, and so like, so, so with the, with the, what, again, with, with my goals as a teacher, the thing that is annoying to me is when, if I'm not going to be a teacher that just takes the money and, oh, you know, good Billy. Okay. See you next week. You know, and if I'm not going to do that, I'm trying to figure out what the purpose of the of this lesson is for them. And so with me, it was always really easy because I'd started at three years old. I mean, this is like, I mean, I was deep into it, you know, as deep as you could possibly get it. And, and now, you know, uh, writing rock albums and playing every genre known to man and teaching and playing, you know, and so I'm like deep into this, but I understand that they're not, you know, every kid is not right. deep into it. Right. And so like, 
so then that leads me back to the question of, okay, again, what is the point of this? Because every single te- every single parent comes up to me and they go, well, we know he's not going to be in the symphony, but blah, 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 you know, and so and so I'm like, okay, so they're they're making it really clear that drilling them on the stupid C sharp, you know, is not the purpose of this right now. So that leads me to the conclusion of all of the non-musical things that music is great for. Learning to not make excuses, you mentioned earlier. Uh, you know, learning time management, learning, you know, all of these other things, you know, learning uh, skills to be up in front of people, like a public speaking kind of a, you know. Mm -hmm. So, like, that always leads me back to, like, every single problem that happens in a lesson to me is something non-musical. Every single musical thing, like, especially if they're, if they're, if they're making excuses, this has nothing to do with music. They they make excuses. Mm-hmm. How much how much money you want to bet that their homework they make excuses too? You know, so yeah. like I could go down the line. I mean, every single one them not practicing that's a discipline thing. It has nothing to do with music. They just have no discipline. Yeah. So when I try to come at those things, I feel like now I'm verging on life coach. I'm verging on therapy session. And everybody hates therapy session, you know, so I, I don't know if you have really an answer to this, but this, this is where, this is my idealist coming out. And then I'm trying to figure out how to balance those things because I love psychology and I think it's so fascinating. Mm-hmm. But with the motivation, I'm trying to make the motivation back to, at least for the parent, what are we doing, what are we doing this for? What's the purpose of this, you know? And so, I mean, like, what, what's your thought on, like, these lessons really like being a therapy set. I mean, do, do you ever find that, that? Yeah, I mean, well, I, you, talk, you talked about like if something's going wrong in their lessons, whether mm. it's like they're not practicing or they're, you know, having trouble with something mm. in, the, in the music, it's, um, I think, yeah, I think it's an opportunity to look deeper into mm. how our, you know, emotionally, you know, mentally, um, physically, uh, all of those outlets, they, I mean, they all have something to do with how we play music. And I think, um, I think for a lot of students, it's really fascinating for them to see how synthetic all of those things are, for one, when it comes to playing music. Um, mm. And as far as like therapy, I think, you know, I don't think it's always the teacher's place to be a therapist. And mm. I think I think that Fair always enough. needs to be made clear to the student is like, you're here to play music. If you need help with something, I'm gonna be there for you. Mm. Right? And I'm gonna help you with this as much as I can. But like, it's not my main goal to be mm. your therapist. So mm. I all I don't know. And if yeah, I know no, I'm doing yeah, no, that that's yeah. And I, I'm so I'm, it's unfortunate for me that I love psychology so much that I'm almost I'm almost wanting to be the th- you know I mean <laughs> and, and that's bad you know it's a bad thing because I just see how I could help I mean it to me it's the the, the, di- the diagnosing part is the easy part to me mm-hmm. I, I I don't know if it's just me but like you know you, any of us can go listen to this whole line and go yeah the C sharp and measure three yeah you know, I mean we can just pinpoint it in one second you know, of what right. the problem was right. and even psychologically I think most most therapists you can come in and in four seconds they can find out yeah this dude's angry <laughs> you right. know I mean they, right. the diagnosis yeah. is not the problem it's the figuring out what, what the hell I'm gonna do about that right well like know, I've had like, um, some, some students have had pretty serious nerve problems mm-hmm. you know in, in in their performance or even just coming into a lesson and playing in and front of you in yeah, front of me. Yeah, yeah. and that right there is you know an opportunity to kind of dig deeper and figure out why um, but that's not easy to do and so like there you do have to play sort of a therapist and right. a counselor because how are they going to be able to play music if they're so nervous see that's the question that I keep asking myself how are you, I mean that that's the thing about kids talking in lesson I mean it says nothing to do with lesson this kid likes to talk all the time and I mean we can't even do a lesson right now. Like the whole purpose of the, screw whatever purpose you are doing, the, the whole purpose is to like actually have a lesson. That's number one, right? So, but we can't do a lesson because he's talking the whole, you know? So <laughs> yeah. like, you know, so, I mean, some of those things like, that, that's where I'm at is that some of those things absolutely have to be addressed, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's some that I'm, I'm wanting to address them, but they, they're not on priority. You know, the talking in lesson is, yeah. it's got to stop. I mean, we, 
we can't even do a lesson. But maybe, <laughs> you, know? you know, like, you know, on the therapy side or counseling side, maybe the reason that kid is talking so much, partly because he loves to talk, maybe he doesn't have a lot of people that listen yeah. to him. Yeah. So maybe that's why he has to talk to you so much. Maybe. Because there's not people to listen to him. So then it's like, well, how much do you balance letting him talk because right. this actually helps him to like enjoy his lessons and right. his playing music because he knows that this is an opportunity where he does feel valued versus how much music are you actually going to play in the right, lesson? Right, right, Because right. <laughs> that's because that's again where I go back to like you you just mentioned like him him now having an outlet to to talk to like an adult and, and or or anybody. Well, see that's where I go back to. Is this important that he turns out to be a you know symphony player because you know no offense to him but he's done yeah. you know I mean he's he's too right. far behind I mean I'm I played tw I played thirty one years and I'm I'm not good enough you know I mean it, you know there's so so that goes back to the, what what are we doing this for again you know is this if this person doesn't learn anything but they get to a point where they could actually play in front of people how worth how worth it is that for their whole entire life. You know, so all these non-musical skills I think are so important because like that's, if I can teach them a little bit better to be a little bit more um, detailed oriented, because that's something that, that yep. I mean, you can't even start to argue that in music. I mean, yep. that's all we do is details. Yep. So like that's, that's kind of where I'm at of just kind of balancing the amount of talking I'm doing, balance the amount of like worrying about all of their psychological things happening and then their music and I'm just like I just I'm just still still kind of like and then and then the other ones is this one I had the other day I realized that boy her her uh, her self-esteem is done you know I mean it's it, it's it's pretty low I could tell from her and I could I realized that I'm not sure how much I'm really gonna be able to raise this I can destroy this pretty bad you know I can destroy this self-esteem in her right now but I'm not sure how much I'm really gonna be able to raise it so is this a is this a wasted you know my worrying about her self-esteem is this a wasted effort right now of all this worrying I'm doing about it right I don't know you know it's yeah. I mean, it's hard it's hard to say right and, right um, what what's your opinion about this is another one in regards to this topic is that how many it is driving me nuts about how much control I have of the of everybody being in soccer, taekwondo, scouts, music, and then robotics and da -da, you know and like and this is again back to how much control do you have because when I try to address this now I'm verging on life coach now I'm verging on like like screwing not screwing up their life but really like manipulating their life right now if I'm yeah. gonna try it. What what do you what's your opinion about kids being in? So in terms of like t dealing with their schedule or trying to tell them how much they should or shouldn't do. Well, yeah, any of that. I mean, because it's all it's all a big problem. I mean, it, so yeah. so my my idea is that well, I know again back to the diagnosing. Well, you're in five activities. You know, what I mean, it, this the reason this the reason why you're not good is. Took me two seconds to figure that out. Right, you're in ten activities, well, and I, you suck at all of them. You know, it's right. like you're not focusing on. I don't even care if you do this. You need to be in three, not five. Right. You know, so so that's yeah. again. But what is my, what is my place to say to say something? You know. Yeah, I mean, this gets even more difficult when they get older. Um, but when they're young, you know, and that's and that's happening. You know, you gotta maybe just address it with the parents. Mm -hmm. um, I had one parent. A number of years back say um, they were I think they were stopping piano lessons mm -hmm. um, after about two or three years I think because she decided that that was enough music lessons for them and I was really surprised by that because they really hadn't gotten beyond a really beginner level mm -hmm. and um, I mean we both we parted you know on good terms but she told me uh, I think at the last lesson, you know, I'd really like my kids to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. <laughs> and it really surprised me to have a, to hear a parent say that they they didn't want they really actually didn't master want their kids. Master of none. They didn't want their kids to be good at anything. They just wanted them to dabble in a little bit of everything, hmm. um, which was kind of the opposite of the upbringing that I had. Is that hmm. you pick you pick something that you want to do or a couple of things and you do it really you go as far as you can with that, hmm. right? Because it, it was a matter of commitment, you know, it taught you commitment, 
um, dedication, um, long suffering, whatever you want to call it, you know, patience. Long suffering. Just like, just, you know, being able to endure a lot of hardship over time and come out on the other end mm-hmm. with success. Um, That's discipline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, right, discipline, right. but also, you know. So, you, so then so. you make, you know, you can make your 30 page argument. Right. Right. About this is really good because da 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 da. Right. And then you're sitting here you know, at this moment where they. Right. And don't it, there wasn't really a point in, in debating it because, you know, they were done with lessons. Right, right. But it made me think. I mean, I remembered that for mm. all these years past um, that, that that, you know, must not be unique to that parent that a lot of parents might think that. Um, so if there's ever, I mean, I don't really make it an issue unless the parents say, you know, so-and-so is not making progress. I, if they're doing a bunch of activities, I'm going on the basis that they shouldn't, they're not going to expect that they're going to make it very advanced while they're doing all these activities. Right. But if they raise the issue, oh, they just don't seem to be making progress, I usually just kind of counter with, well, let's take a look at the schedule. Yeah. How much time are they able to block off with their practice? Right. Because um, that's a time, that's a parent-student time management issue to me. Yeah. Again, it's it's not a it's not a music problem. It's a you're in too many activities and you're not, you know, you're not you as a parent and the fourth grader or whatever it is. You you guys need to sit down right. and map it out. And it's amazing. And Some fourth graders literally they get up, they go to school. I mean, they get up, they have time for breakfast, they go to school, they go, they do their after-school activities, um, they you know do whatever their parents. And then six o'clock they have dinner and then it's time for bed. Mm-hmm. And are you really going to make a fourth grader after that long of a day sit down at six or seven o'clock when they're mm-hmm. tired and make them practice for a half hour? It's like, can Their you really done. expect that? I mean, yeah. yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so sometimes, sometimes when kids say they don't have time, it's really amazing it's for hard, me yeah. that I, I never said that as a kid. I never said mm-hmm. I didn't have time to practice. Right. Um, but kids, some kids literally don't have time yeah, these right. days, and it's not their fault at all. Right. So approaching it from that. See, again, so, and that goes back to another thing of a lot of times you, you talked about parents. You know, one, this kid just is a great kid. He loves everything, you know. I mean, he loves playing sports and music, and he's and, – and so it's really the kid at that point going, I want to be in all these things. And then is that now a parent's job to set the boundary? You know, you're like, yeah. well, you know, yeah, I love this, but you need to pick three instead of six. <laughs> you know, I mean, you need to like, yeah. I love that you're doing a music thing, a sports thing, a, you know, a robotics where it's only brain kind of, you know, without, without any physical, you know. Yeah. And so now, or it's the other way where the parent is, going, no, you're going to do all these things. And mm-hmm. so to me, either way comes back to the parent, you know, mm-hmm. it comes back to their, you know, yeah. dropping the ball or whatever you want to call it, you know, of, of, and, and so you, and so you said something interesting about what I want to do is I want to pipe up and give my two cents, even though they didn't ask it, you know, that, that's what I want to do. And you, you just said, you know, maybe wait till they're annoyed Right, the the parents like, well, he's not progressing. Well, hmm. If you want my opinion, yeah. I'll give you my you know ten page argument on why I think these are the best way. You know. Right, right. And if I if I see that the kid is still enjoying, if my student is still enjoying lessons and piano and really wants to do it, regardless of the lack of time, I'll usually I'll usually stick with it with them because I think there's something of value in that. I mean. At least that's where I am as a teacher right now. Um, you know, my goals or whatever for where I want to be as a teacher later on might change that. But for mm. now, um, just to, to transfer, you know, like you said, not every kid is going to be a professional musician. Mm. And I'm okay teaching those kids that aren't going to be professional musicians um, as long as I see some progress. Eventually, if there's no time to practice, there's gonna, it's just going to be a frustration every week. Right. And then, I, I, you know, I've, there's been times where I've had to encourage students look if you really want to make progress at this point moving forward you're either gonna have to practice or you might want to just consider taking a break for a while and I don't think there's any shame in in saying that it just has to be said you know diplomatically and you know straightforwardly yeah Yeah, I I definitely have a problem with doing my uh 
my ex-girlfriend called it the come to Jesus meeting, you know, where, where it's like you, and, and what I, I was trying at first to do with the parent and the student have this come to Jesus meeting, like, every week, you know, and I, and I needed to stop that. I needed to have, you know, you, you have it, and you've said your piece, and then you got to, you know, as a teacher, you can, you just can't keep having this every single week. I mean, and that's the stop talking yeah. so much, yeah. and, you know, kind yeah. of stuff. And then you can also just ask them questions, you know, if they're frustrated. And, and this is especially with students that have been with me for a while. I'll just ask them, I'll be like, okay, what do you need to do to improve this week? Mm-hmm. One of the things that I often say is, well, I need to practice more. I'm like, you said it, not me. <laughs> and so if they yeah. come back next week and they haven't practiced, I'll, you know, I'll ask them about it. I'll be like, well, didn't you say you needed to practice a little bit more this week? Did you do it? Yeah. Yeah, right. And, and then it, le- it puts the responsibility <clears throat> on them because they are the ones that set that goal for themselves. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, I, I wasn't going to ask you this, but this is actually a really good question. So like I said, m- motivation and the, um, and the stuff is the stuff that's been kind of in my head recently. What, what, what's been in your head recently about teaching? Or is, is there any been anything frustrating or epiphany or any, anything that you've been thinking <laughs> about? Or I wish I had more epiphanies. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think, I think just um, being really, expressing passion and excitement in every single lesson and not harping on my students too much mm. has been something that I've been trying to do a lot in the past year. Um, I harp when I need to, but in a way, I always try to be funny about it, you know? I try to, yeah. like, harp on them in a way that it's like, you know I'm going to say this, and you know i got to say this, right. and you know that you got to do this, you right. know, you know that I'm going to tell you to practice, but hey, you already knew that, so I'm not saying anything you don't already know, and you're just making a cracking a joke about it mm-hmm. so that they have a good feeling about, you know being ragged a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think just being, you know, I, for so many years as a young teacher, I always thought of it as something I had to do but I hated. And embracing it as part of my life and 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 valuing that dissemination of knowledge um for me has been huge. Because it's made me really enjoy and, and just really liking in interacting with people. Like, I like people in general, but <laughs> viewing my students as just more people that I get to interact with and yeah. develop relationships with and have fun, you know, working with. And, and viewing myself as less of a teacher, but more of a guide that just helps them bring out what they already have within them. Mm-hmm. It changes my perspective on things and it makes yeah. me a better teacher so that's cool yeah and and you said a guide and that's interesting because like I had this student uh, this mother and she told me she goes I'm so glad you're in my son's life because he doesn't have anybody like you in his life and I think what she meant by that was my exact personality of how passionate I am and definitely like being not less not less manly but le- talkative and in the arts and like I think her his stepdad was not like me at all mm-hmm. a typical you know yeah. typical guy music is stupid you know I mean it, it, kind of a, a really super man's man and the fact that I was so passionate and stuff I think she really liked to have somebody like that in her son's life and that kind of gets back to what I was saying about what's the point of this right now well to her it really wasn't music anymore it was about what what am, what am I to this kid? You know, what kind of a role model am I under this kid? Yeah. And, and I didn't even consider that when she's, you know, yeah. before she said that. I, and I thought that was a really neat compliment that oh, she yeah. said. But I didn't ever consider that of, again, back to kind of this purpose. Like, what is our point of, um, and what, so what do you think about, I thought about this the other day and it made me, made me actually really, really sad. But uh, I thought about the idea of when we were in, in orchestra, we have elementary and there's a ton, right? There's like a hundred over the whole, over the like South district of kids. You get to middle school and there ends up being, you know, 30 or 
in each class. So like maybe 60 kids total or something in the middle school. Then you get to high school and it's like 30 in each grade, you know? So now, so, so we took one year, it was a hundred. Then middle school, now we're down to 60. Then high school, it's down to 30. And I was trying to think, I mean, we had a really good class. And I mean, we had a pretty strong class in our grade anyways. And now I'm hearing that there might be like three of us. Two of us are doing music professionally, like me and another guy. And then another girl I know is still playing. But I was trying to do that math. And I mean, I don't know if you're following my math here, like 100, 60, 30, three, you know, and like, and so that, that was like, that made me sad, you know, to see that number of, of, is this seriously down to three people now that are doing this professionally? And so like, again, I'm, I'm gonna, I keep saying the same crap, but I, this is why I'm frustrated by what are we doing? You know, what, like, what, what is this for now? Is this to, to teach people's brains to, to do the creative math together is this because of self-discipline is this excuses right. is it you know i like so i don't know i'm it's just all like, those things I yeah think, but, you know. but, but another thing it does is it creates audiences for us that's a great because point. if you don't play music who's coming who's yeah. right if yeah. you i when i go to concerts a lot of those people in the audiences are are musicians themselves or let's just say amateur, you know, they yeah. like music because they played it right. when they were a kid, they learned a guitar, they're, they, you know, listen to a lot of music now because they played music. It kind of right. got them in, more interested in it, and then they decided they didn't want to keep playing, but they still want to have music in their right. life, so they're the ones that go to the shows. They're knowledgeable. They're knowledgeable yeah, 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 yeah. To, yeah. just to the point where they can appreciate, right? And there's a lot of people that... I would say if you play an instrument, it's going to make you infinitely more interested in listening sure. to music later on in your life. So I think that's really important too. Coming back to yeah. what you said about like how many people continued on with music, mm. what, I'm, I knew a ton, a ton of kids who played music. And as far as I know, like the only, there's maybe a couple that do it professionally now right. besides me. But a lot of them were really, really good musicians, and a lot of the really good right. musicians ended up not doing it yeah. for a living. But I still think they there was value in, in ha them having done that because they appreciate music a lot now. Mm -hmm. It gave them something that they can do as a hobby in their adult life. Right. And they're probably more successful in other the other things that they do in life because of those music mm -hmm. lessons. So, you know, I don't think there's anything lost in in them not being musicians. So I think we have to, cause that made me really sad too, to hear like that, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, had, Yeah, I had dinner with an old friend of mine from high school a couple of years ago and he was just smiling from ear to ear to hear that I was doing music for a living. Right. Cause he thought that he was probably gonna do music yeah, at right. some point too. And he said, you know, you're the only person I know from high school mm. that ended up being a professional yeah. musician. And, and I guess when I, when I mention those three people, I, I'm talking about deep in it, you know, the, the yeah. people that are doing it like 100% for a career like I right. am. And, and so right. I, I think my, my numbers might not be off because, yeah, I'm talking to all three of those, all 30 of those people. I don't, I don't know what they're doing, you know, so there might have been more, you know, there might have been people who have, are in, doing what I'm doing where they're not doing classical, but they're, they're screwing around in a rock band with their violin, you know, and that's. That stuff, you know, that's something to do with your, so, anyway, I, I just thought I would share that with a lot of different teachers, because it's really been annoying me about me taking my work home with me and worrying about this, this big concept of, of, of how much control do I really have over them practicing, how much control do I have of how many, uh, um, activities they're in, and a uh, hundred other things you could mention of, of what I really, I can motivate and I can try to motivate, you know, but at the end of the day, I don't have any control over that. Yeah. I, I have personal responsibility of what I can, what I can do, but yep. it's just definitely frustrating. Um, I got a, we're almost out of time actually. It's gone fast, but I uh, got one last question for you. Do you have any other, uh, 
any other kind of funny lessons that have happened over your life or funny gigs or, or, or <laughs> just crazy moments in the music business because everybody loves gig stories? Well, there's one from high school that, I don't know, it's, it only, it's only ever happened to me once, ever, mm. and it was, so I was, uh, I was going to play a concerto with an orchestra. I'd won a concerto mm. competition as a, as a high school student. Oh, cool, yeah. And I went to go rehearse with the orchestra. I was, you know, one of the, like, community orchestras, mm. and we lived about, I want to say an hour and 20 minutes away. So my mom, you know, they had an evening rehearsal because it's mm. a bunch of amateur musicians, and my mom drove me up one night to go to this rehearsal for my big concert, mm. and when I got there, they had forgotten the piano. <laughs> so we drove an hour and almost an hour and a half to this. Like it was huge for me. It was my first ever performance with an orchestra. Get there, and there's literally no piano. <laughs> so, so, so they forgot a piano. They forgot a piano. They just Lordy. forgot to. They forgot to book the piano, and we get there, and it was a mess. It was an absolute mess. So. Um, that I mean, that was probably the weirdest. What? So you sat there and air played like with them? Yeah, no, we just I mean, had to go home. We just had to go home, and so it wasn't dumb. the best, wasn't the best <laughs> just, performance I ever gave oh, yeah, because yeah. of that. But um, was that the only or practice that you got? Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> but, um, as far as student stories, yeah. I've got. I mean, I've got a. I've had some some really funny things happen. Um, you know. One of my, I, I remember, you know, so there's the, the always the age old question of, you know, of passing gas in a lesson. If a student passes gas, what do you do? Do you acknowledge it or do you oh, not right. acknowledge it? Right, that's funny. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Right? So I had this one student one time, she was really little and oh my goodness. So she, you know, she, she accidentally passed one in her lesson and the whole rest of the lesson, she just like stares at me. She, she's like, you know. That is funny. Yes. Yeah. She was super embarrassed and she didn't. Yep. Yep. But on the other side of the coin, um, I've had little kids, you know, no filter. They just straight out blurt. Did you fart? <laughs> So I, I, yeah, I love little kids. I, my little kid experiences are awesome. That's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I know those are, uh, that, that's what's so fun. And, and that's what like, uh, can't remember. Oh, Jim Calhoun, he was the, he's the basketball coach for UConn, but, but he, he was talking about like, you, you cannot treat all of them the same. You can't, you know, they're all completely different, right? This one is like really vocal and, uh, and this other one is super quiet and right this other one tries really hard and that one doesn't do anything you know it's like he was talking about you can't treat all of your and he was talking about his players but at the same point you know like you just can't treat them all the same they're they're not even close to the same right and like and 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 that that's another that's one last thing I'll share is that that's what I'm trying to do now as well is trying to come up with backup plans and come up with uh, another way Whatever mm -hmm. moment we're having, I need. I I was, I felt like a one-trick pony with, even up till even a, a year or two ago, and I, I there was no, there wasn't another way. I had only one way, and when that didn't work, oh, I was screwed, you know. And so I tried to try to figure out how to adjust myself a little bit. It's been hard for me, but, yeah. um, but anyway, um, tell everybody about your uh, what's the name of your little group again. Casey Young Musicians Roundtable. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so we um, we have a Facebook page, mm -hmm. or Facebook group, uh, Casey Young Musicians Roundtable. Um, we have a once a month meeting every second Friday of the month, mm -hmm. um, and you can go on to Facebook and you know join our group, get notifications for our events. Mm -hmm. um, in the future, I'm hoping to kind of expand that to maybe some workshops, um, additional events that I can host for the the round table and um, kind of expand my offering to all these musicians in town who really I think could benefit from it whether you're classical or jazz or rock or whatever mm. it is you do if you're really committed to um, self-improvement and you know development of your craft I think these things would be really really awesome for our community so yeah that's really great and I, I love the idea of just <clears throat> the networking in general because all of us get calls for all sorts of stuff all the time I mean and so getting to 
giving no peel people never uh, never hurts anything. Oh yeah, you know, right? and like when somebody posts, you know, hey, I don't I don't know any keyboard players for whatever. It makes me sad because it's like, how many pianists are there in this town? You shouldn't have a problem finding sure. somebody. Yeah. So you know, yeah. Yeah, that's a great resource. It's really neat that you're doing that. I don't know I don't know anybody else who's doing anything like that. So that's that's really neat. Yeah. Um. So, um. This is Bridget Clontz. Fun talking to you. Thanks for having me. This has been KC Music Talk. Um, we are done. We're getting out of here. Um, we will have more musicians, more teachers, and uh, we'll, we'll have some more shows like this talking about all sorts of stuff. So, all right. See you guys later.